are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve both. And now let's listen in to this week's sermon. So if you are just now joining us for the first time, this is week two in a series on this right here. This comes from Isaiah chapter six, where the Lord is commissioning Isaiah to be a prophet He said, who am I going to send to go do this? And Isaiah says, here I am, Lord, send me. So the purpose of this series is to look at people in the Bible who did just that, that they put themselves in a position to say, Lord, I don't know how you're going to use me, but use me. It may not look the way I think it should look, but use me. I am your servant. Use me. So, last week we looked at the life of one of my favorite characters, although she's very small in the grand scheme of things, is Hannah. We looked at 1 Samuel chapter 1 and chapter 2. Tom did a really good job of explaining how Hannah did this. She said, here I am, Lord, use me. So if you would, open your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 12. So today we're going to be looking at a story that involves redemption and second chances. So show of hands, has anybody here ever received a second chance at anything? Okay. Hopefully we can all relate to this story. While you're turning there, I want to read you a quote from Pete Rose, the almost... Hall of Fame baseball player, you guys know him as Charlie Hustle, he said this, and of course he has a checkered pass when it comes to playing professional baseball, but he said, if anyone is gracious, gracious enough to give me a second chance, I won't need a third. So understanding that quote, we're going to take a look today at someone who doesn't really get a lot of attention in the Bible. And I would actually argue that he does, we just don't know it. So today we're looking at Acts chapter 12. We're going to be looking at the life of John Mark. I absolutely love his story because it is, like I said, it's a story of redemption and second chances. And we're going to do what I like to call water ski today. What we're going to do is we are going to go very, very quickly over a lot of scripture. We're going to cover a lot of ground, but this is all necessary for us to understand this bigger story. So let's look at Acts chapter 12, and we're going to start in verse number 12. This is an account where Peter was in prison, and he has a miraculous escape. An angel comes and lets Peter out of prison. The first place that he runs to, let's read it in... Chapter, uh, chapter 12, verse 12. It says, So when he had considered this, talking about Peter, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. So Peter goes and bangs on the door, and a little girl named Rhoda answers, said, That looks like Peter. Maybe it's his ghost. I'm not sure. But Peter's like, Let me in. Let me in. Let me in. Anyways, They were at the house of this lady named Mary. So what was going on was they had what we would consider prayer meetings. They would have, you know, church at Mary's house. 
This is not one of the other Marys. This is a, a different Mary. She had a son. His name was John, whose surname was Mark. So it's important to note that Peter came to this house and it mentions John Mark here. We're going to talk more about Peter, how he plays into this picture here in just a bit. So follow me down to Acts 12, same chapter, verse 25. So here we have Paul and a man named Barnabas. They are going to be going out on what is going to be Paul's first missionary journey. So this is Acts 12, 25. It says, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry. They also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. And so you can see where they go starting in verse number 4 of chapter 13. But I want to bring to your attention verse number 5. So Acts 13, 5. It says, And when they had arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. Now, this is all kind of setting up what is about to happen. And there is a reason why the author of the book of Acts, who is Luke, includes this. You're going to see why. So, just to to recap, Paul and Barnabas, they get ready on their first missionary journey. They are going out. They are doing the, the preaching, the teaching, the shepherding, everything. They have John Mark as their assistant. So, follow me to Acts 13, 13. Acts 13, 13. It says, Now when Paul and his party had set sail from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. Now, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. Your version may say something differently. That word right there is not depart. It is desert. John Mark left Paul and Barnabas, and the work of the kingdom, he threw up his hands and said, you know what? I quit. I'm going home. So it says that he goes back to Jerusalem. He left them holding the bag. He was a quitter. He was a deserter. And he departed from them. This is the guy whose mother was holding all of these prayer meetings Was he called to do this? We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. Was he called to do great things for the kingdom? Absolutely. So when we, I want to take just a second and remember the the name of the sermon or the title of the series is Here I Am, Lord, Send Me. There There is a desire that we have inside of ourselves to say, Lord, use me. Lord, use me for your kingdom. I want to serve your people. But for some of us, it may say, you know what, I just want to be in front of people. I want a bunch of eyeballs on me. Whether it's up here preaching at this church or a 50,000-person megachurch that people want eyes on them. It may be playing in the band to where you're being seen for what you do. Now, the reason I'm talking about all of this is my opinion is that John Mark 
was not in the limelight there in Acts chapter 13 when they were in Cyprus. That you had Paul and Barnabas doing the work, you know, getting the credit, and John just, I'm done. I'm out of here. And so he sails away. So, follow me to Acts chapter 15, just a couple chapters over. So here's where the story gets interesting. Paul and Barnabas have come back from their first missionary journey. They're about to go on their second. They're packing up their stuff. They're getting ready to go. They're, yeah. I know, yeah. I do have a little bit of an accent, but not as... Not enough to listen to that. If you guys have ever heard Johnny Cash later in life narrate the Bible, that is very good. James Earl Jones has done it before. So I'm just giving you, uh, in case you get bored with that one, that, that's fine. You can. <laughs> okay, so here we are, Acts chapter 15. They're about to go on their second missionary journey. But I want you to see what happens. So we're going to be looking at Acts 15, starting in verse 36. Acts 15.36. It says, Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back now and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they were doing. That talks about the heart of a shepherd right there. Look at verse 37. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take him, should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone back with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they departed from one another. So Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And when he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So what's going on right there? Barnabas wants to take John Mark, this quitter, this good-for-nothing, when push came to shove, he backed out and quit, left them holding the bag. Barnabas wants to take him. Why? The question is, why? We're going to see here in just a second, but you can jot down this little note. Colossians chapter 4 tells us Barnabas and John Mark were cousins. So, Nepotism existed even in the Bible times for this particular example. So Barnabas wants to vouch for his cousin, John Mark. Paul says, no, this guy is no good. He left us holding the bag last time. He may have all the best intentions in the world, but when push comes to shove, he is no good. That was Paul's attitude. Now, that's what they did. The contention in verse 39 got so bad that they split into two teams. Now, only one of those had the blessing of the brethren, and that was Paul who picked up Silas and actually Luke as well. So that team, team A, goes on Paul's second missionary journey. What happens to Barnabas and John Mark? It says, 
they did not receive the blessing of the brethren. And they sailed to Cyprus. Then you don't hear anything. Chronologically, there's a period of about 10 years before we hear the name John Mark again. Now that's important as we are building towards this. I know, like I said, we're water skiing this morning. We're going over quickly over these scriptures, but we're going to get to the meat of why this is important. So 10 years passes before we see John Mark again. Now I'm going to go real quickly. We have these on the Bible app. Um, I, we will figure out a way to get these, or you can jot them down. Colossians chapter 4, starting in verse number 10, which I would encourage you to read this week, Colossians chapter 4, because I think that may have something to do with next week's sermon. Right, Eric? Yep, okay. So, Colossians chapter 4, John Mark is referred to by Paul. Remember, Paul said, you're a quitter, I don't want you on my team. Paul says this about John Mark. He is a fellow worker for the kingdom. The book of Philemon, verse 23, Paul refers to John Mark as a fellow laborer. 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul says John Mark is useful to me in my ministry. Is this the same quitter? It is. Paul understood, I think, and, and, and this is a presumption on my part, he knew John Mark was not meant for that role way back in the first missionary journey, which was being an assistant. For whatever reason, he didn't like it enough to where he threw up his hands and quit. That's what he did. But Paul, who operated and even spoke about the ministry of reconciliation, Paul being the one who God showed exponential grace to, extended that grace to John Mark. But it took some time. So there you have three biblical examples, Colossians, Philemon, and 2 Timothy, where Paul references this quitter, this guy who, when the, the tough got going, going got tough, he quit. He said, I'm out of here. I can't do this. And took his ball and went home. Now, we could end the story right there and say, boy, that is a great sermon on forgiveness. Look how mature Paul is. Boy, that is awesome. But our story does not stop there. If you would, follow me to 1 Peter chapter 5. And I want to show you something that speaks to God's grace and His sovereignty so much that it will give you chills. It gave me chills the first time I read this and understood this. So, as with a lot of the early apostles in the church, many of them were arrested. We see Paul, he's the one we think of, Paul was beaten, arrested, imprisoned many, many times. Yet he continued doing what Garth said, which is pressing on. My work is not yet finished. So Peter 
was also imprisoned. So here we have him writing a letter. There's two letters, 1 Peter and 2 Peter, that Peter is writing in prison to strengthen believers. I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 13. Now, Peter is in Rome while he is in prison. 1 Peter 5.13, She who is in Babylon, which is reference to Rome, elect together with you, greets you, so does Mark, my son. Now, is that referring to him as a physical son? No. Mark is his spiritual son. So, let me kind of bring this full picture here. John Mark, that assistant, that guy fetching Gatorades and stuff, you know, when they got thirsty, didn't work out too well, enough to where he quit. Then you have him wanting to redeem himself, only his cousin, Barnabas, said, you know what, yeah, let's give this guy a second chance. Then you don't hear anything for 10 years. Then all of a sudden he pops up again. Peter, like I said, was in prison in Rome. Sometimes they allowed them to write, but other times you had to dictate because there were bars in between you. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote many of his letters in prison, the letters in the the New Testament. He wrote those while he was in prison. He wrote them. Peter didn't have that luxury. He had someone sitting outside of his jail cell writing down everything that he said. Peter, as you know, was in the inner circle of Jesus' ministry. He was there on the Mount of Transfiguration. He has seen all of this stuff firsthand. So what do you do in prison? Not that I know from experience. You have nothing but time on your hands. So what Peter did was he started recalling through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, recalling what happened in Jesus' ministry. You have someone furiously taking notes, writing this down. Those notes would eventually turn into something. Anybody want to take a guess what it is? The gospel according to Mark. I see light bulbs going on everywhere. The Lord knew John Mark was destined for something. Let me rephrase that. The Lord knew. Us, as people reading this 2,000 years later, we're like, "Uh uh-huh, he wasn't cut out for this, but the Lord knew, this is where I want you. So here we have Peter dictating all of these miracles and, and things like that. You have John Mark writing it down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, which that becomes known as the gospel according to Mark, which is a first-hand account, really second-hand account. Peter saying, I was there. The Holy Spirit bringing to recollection all of these little details 
and Mark writing it down. You see, when we look at this, we can look at John Mark as a quitter, a no good person who quits when things get tough. We could look at him that way because Scripture tells us that. But I like to look at him another way. Someone who was redeemed, not only by the Lord, but by the Apostle Paul and Peter, who no doubt heard about what happened, but Peter extended that grace to him. So here's my question. What can we learn from this? What can we take away from this? Again, keeping with our theme for this particular series, God can use you. Everybody hold up a finger like this. Okay? Point it just like that. Right at yourself, not at me. At you. Say, God can use me. It, thank you. It may not look the way that you think it will. You may be in a position right now where you are that assistant there in Cyprus saying, ah, this, I don't know how the Lord is using me. That may not be where he wants you. He may want you over here dictating from one of the apostles. He may want you over here. So how do we figure that out? We hit our knees and say, Lord, use me. First of all, we do what Romans 12.1 tells us to do. Present ourselves to the Lord. Say, Lord, use me. I want to do something for your kingdom. I don't know what it is. I want you to use me to help further your kingdom, not my kingdom, your kingdom, and to minister to your people. So number one, God can use you. Number two, it may not look like you think it will. Meaning, you may do something behind the scenes. You don't get a lot of the, the limelight. You don't get a lot of credit. I'll tell you right now, credit is overrated. One person got that. Yeah, all right. Credit is overrated. Because when we are truly servants to the living God, we shouldn't ever want credit for what it is that we're doing. We should do it out of sincerity of heart to further God's kingdom, to get more people to understand the truth of Jesus Christ and be transformed by it. And point number three, redemption and restoration is real. It is very, very real. Sometimes time needs to pass. Think back to an argument you have with someone. Could have been on the way to church this morning. Could have been yesterday. It could have been 15 years ago. You had a falling out. That's what we call it, a falling out with somebody. It's like, nope, unless they come back to me, I'm not going to do that. Think about this example with Paul and John Mark. Do we know the details of what happened as far as the reconciliation? Nope. 
We just know we could presume that Paul was the bigger man and forgave him for quitting. Possibly. But sometimes time needs to pass. They say time heals all wounds. Time needs to pass before we can go back and and begin to reconcile because the second part of that is that's when maturing takes place. What happens during that time? It could have been a fight that you had with your spouse yesterday. From then until today, you are a little bit more mature, hopefully, to where you begin to reconcile. So sometimes maturing needs to take place. And the last point that I have, when talking about redemption and restoration being very, very real, and forgiveness and unforgiveness can tie into this, grace has been given to us in the form of Jesus Christ. So we have experienced God's love, His grace, and His mercy in the form of Jesus Christ, yet we continue to hold grudges with other people. Say, I've been shown that grace, but I'm not going to show it to you. Dylan, I am not going to show it to you. I will, but yeah. But we understand we have been shown grace, love, and mercy, yet we don't show that to other people. So when you look at the Apostle Paul saying, you know what, I messed up presumably 10 years ago. You quit on me, you were just a young kid at the time. Rather than Paul hold that grudge the rest of his life, he extended that grace. Why? Because Paul understood grace better than anyone else on this planet. He understood it. So he dealt grace out. So I encourage you, grace has been given to us in the form of Jesus Christ. Let's extend that grace to others. So, we have this magnificent story of John Mark. He was shown redemption. He was redeemed by the Lord. He was given a second chance. There's an old saying in management, everybody has a spot on the bus. It just may, they may just be in the wrong seat. So, Christianity is the same way. Everyone is going to serve the Lord in some way. It may be what we call flashy in front of TV and you know all of that kind of stuff. It may be on stage, or it may just simply be cleaning up the sanctuary after a Sunday. Both are furthering the Lord's kingdom. One just has some, some curb appeal to it. But both are equally as important. I could stand up here and preach this message that's going out to hopefully a lot of people out on the web. By the way, our web views are really, really going up. People are hearing the truth. So I could stand up here and preach a sermon till I'm blue in the face, or one person, uh, let's use Sonic since uh, Garth talked about that, and I'm trying to get Sonic in your brain. Everybody stop for a limeade over there after church. Someone over at Sonic could lead one person to the Lord. Which is more important, preaching a sermon or leading a person to the Lord? The answer is yes, both. Both are equally as important. Do they have people 
watching them when they do that? No. Is it flashy? No. But they are doing the work of the kingdom. So I want to encourage you this week, talk about this story with John Mark. Talk with your family, with your friends. Talk about it. Understand that there is such a good lesson that we can learn from this. The Lord didn't use him here, but used him here. John Mark presented himself and said, Here I am, Lord. Use me. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your word that went forth here this morning. Father, we trust that this word will resonate with all of the people. Father, that we can meditate on this word, that we can be reminded of your grace, your mercy that came in the form of Jesus Christ. Father, that when we go to you in prayer this week, Lord, we just ask that you show us how you want to use us for your kingdom. And Father, not only where you want to use us, but our attitude to do it as well. Father, if our attitude for serving you is not pure in nature, Lord, correct us in those areas. That we want to share Jesus Christ, the message that he brings, the hope that he brings with everyone. And that takes a variety of different ways. That's why it's called the body of Christ. Each of us have unique giftings and abilities that you use to help attain this goal. So Lord, during our prayer time this week, we just ask that you reveal that to us. If we are in the wrong seat on the bus that you show us so that we can be where it is that you have called us to be. And Father, we thank you again for this opportunity to gather together to share your word collectively as the church body, but also as your servants. And we thank you for this. It's in Jesus' name we pray and ask it. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.